My name is Todd Adams. And this is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing, where we talk about pop culture from a Gen X point of view. There we go. But not just a Gen X point of view. We have a special guest, our middle daughter, Cameron Adams. Cameron, this is for you. Is this your first time on Pop Culturing? No, I've been on here multiple times. For which ones? Do you remember? I remember I was here for Lost. Speak into the mic. Get the mic closer to your mouth. There you go. I was here for Lost, and I was on Zen Parenting for all of us three. Uh, and yeah. What is all of us three? All oh, you mean all the girls. Yeah. You also did Avengers. Oh, yeah. I did Avengers, and I also Parental did guidance. Oscars. The Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars. And parental guidance. So Cameron is 16 years old, and yes, we let our kid watch a rated R movie this weekend. <laughs> She's 16. Called Silence of the Lambs. And I'm going to play a little bit of the trailer, but before I do, you have your finger up. Which... 30 year anniversary. Yeah, so Ooh, this is. I thought it was 25. No, 30. 1991. So before you play the trailer, Cameron, did it feel like it was 30 years old? You mean like for like? Did it age well? Did it did, well? Oh. And not content necessarily, but did it look like as you were watching? Were you like, wow, this is an old movie? Well, I could tell from like the camera quality and stuff. Like, it aged well, I guess. If that's your question, like it's still pretty scary, but yeah, I could I could tell it was an older type horror movie. Okay, we're gonna get to the scariness because one of the three people on this pop culturing episode doesn't think that it's a scary movie. I think just one of us, right? I I think it's a scary what movie. What do you mean? Like, do you mean like I was scared to go to sleep, or it had a really good pop scare? Like, I'm confused of what, like, what kind you're talking about. Um, I'm thinking I'm am talking about it being a scary movie. How much more simple do I need to make it? <laughs> okay. Is it a scary movie? I it did not scare me, but it is a horror movie by definition. It did not scare me. Yeah. Well, we're gonna get to that because okay. I'm gonna tell you both you guys why you're wrong. <laughs> okay. Here's some trailer. Be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose. Keeps them alive for three days. Then he shoots them, spins them, and dumps them. A rookie FBI agent is on his trail. He's got real physical strength. Cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. But in order to track him down, she'll have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clary. Believe me, you don't want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job, but never forget what he is. Oh, he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. Is that about good? That's about good. Is that enough trailer? Yeah, here's my least favorite thing about old trailers. They're never as good as, like, modern trailers. Like, the guy that, like, announces everything before it happens, I I don't like that. I think they should always use movie clips, never that weird voice that is somehow in every I don't know what that guy's name is, but he does... Didn't we call him Mr. Movie? Maybe. He just takes all the scariness away. Like, I've had trailers that the movies are not scary. Like, there's this trailer called The Nun... And they had a little, like, clip of, like, the movie and that they had to take off YouTube because it was too scary to play before wow. the thing. And the movie wasn't even scary. It's all about the editing. But I just, I don't like that guy. 
Maybe right. maybe he doesn't like you, Cameron. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. I don't think he's he can't be still alive. He, well, I don't know. Maybe I remember he, he he did all the movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, was, he I, was every single one. I hear that guy all the time. I know he's the guy from the eighties. Yeah. yeah. So. 1991. 1991. Silence of the Lambs. So mm-hmm. I wanted to, bef- before we jump into this movie because obviously we're going to get into all the, the the pieces of this movie, but I wanted to explain something mostly to myself <laughs> because we were talking about when did this come out versus the other movie and when did this book come out or whatever. So the whole Hannibal Lecter series is by a guy named Thomas. What's his name? Edison. The tank, not Thomas Edison. <laughs> like you guys the only are of Jefferson. No help! I, I pulled up all this information, and um, Hannibal author author is let's see Thomas the Tank. His name is Thomas Harris. Thank you. Okay, that's what I meant to say. So Thomas Harris, he first uh, so Manhunter was the first book and movie. Okay, and it was actually based on Red Dragon. So actually, Red Dragon was the first book, but the first movie was called Manhunter. Michael Mann did it, mm-hmm. which he's a great director. So sure. you think it'd be amazing, but it really didn't go that far. Um, it was uh, what was it about? It focused more on this guy named Will Graham. So it wasn't about Clarice, but it was about Will Graham, and he was trying to find – I don't think he was trying to find Hannibal, but Hannibal was in it. Okay? Does that make sense? Sure. So was this before he was captured? Well, this is what it says. William Uh Peterson plays Will Graham. He's hunting a creepy serial killer played by the criminally underutilized actor Tom Noonan. I don't know what that means. Hannibal Lecter also makes an appearance. Mm. Okay? The next book movie – was called The Silence of the Lambs, which is what we're talking about today. That was 1991. This was obviously directed by Jonathan Demme. Um, and as we were going to talk about all the pieces, so I don't go have to go too far. The next movie that came out was called Hannibal, and it was 2001. And this is about Hannibal being on the loose, right? Yeah. So Clarice is supposed to find him, but the problem is Jodie Foster didn't want to come back to the movie. So Julianne Moore plays Clarice, and I think people really struggled with that. Yeah, I, changing actors is the worst. It's, it's hard to have a success. It's rough. Even it, if it's Julianne Ju- Moore. Yeah. Um, so Ray Liotta's in it. Um, and so anyway, that's Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Then Red Dragon gets released. So Red Dra- So Manhunter was based on Red Dragon, but then in 2001, they decided to do Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. And this has Edward Norton as Will Graham. Okay, oh, okay, so they brought in some more stars. And they also had Philip Seymour Hoffman, Mary Louise Parker, Emily Watson, Harvey Keitel. So it was kind of a bigger, you know, adaptation. <clears throat> and then in 2007... They had Hannibal Rising, which is more about Dr. Lecter, um, and then, but it's about how he became Hannibal the Cannibal. How many of these are Anthony Hopkins? Only the first two. So Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs. Correct. Got it. Okay. So the this so Hannibal Rising one. was him as a young person. Got so it. it was played by another a French actor, and then came along Hannibal the TV series. This was kind of like a reboot of Hannibal, and that was 2013 to 2015. Hugh Dancy plays Will Graham, and that was not, again, Anthony Hopkins wasn't in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one and most recent is Clarice. Clarice, which I'm sure everyone's been seeing. Uh, they kept on advertising on the Super Bowl over and over and over. Over and over. And, over. So, and Clarice, the TV show, is her returning to the field a year after Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. The issue, though, is in Clarice, the show, for those of you who are watching it or plan on it, 
the characters, Thomas Harris, the author, his characters are split between two companies, MGM and Dino De Laurentiis Company. So Clarice is owned by somebody different than Hannibal. Mm. So Clarice can only talk about characters that are introduced in The Silence of the Lambs. So that means in Clarice, the show, she talks about Buffalo Bill. Mm -hmm. She talks about um, the girl, Catherine Catherine Martin, who's in the well, but she can't mention Hannibal. So weird. Like, how did the ownership of this story get divided up? I don't know. Like, it's either it's an all or nothing thing. It's weird. I know. It's okay. really weird. This is the question I keep asking, and I don't think you know this, but I'm very curious as to if they'll be, like, really mysterious about it, and they'll, like, allude to him, yes. but they won't mention him, which I think would be a lot smarter. And, you know, it'd be super cool. This probably won't happen. But if, like, they bought the rights, like two seasons in and they finally mentioned him in like the last episode, that would be kind of cool. Maybe they'll make a little money and do that. But to answer your question, that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to elude the thing. The law prevents them from saying his name. What I would have done is I would have been like, oh yeah, good old Charlie the cannibal. Yeah. Just (laughs) there you go. Boom. They could just say like, or Chanable the cannibal. Yeah. They could just say Clarice is like traumatized. She doesn't want to talk about it or something. They could make that. That'd be a good spin. Yeah. Like they can't, she can't say his name. Yeah, she'd like choke up or something. Because she actually, because he actually ended up going after her. He did. No, I'm just making oh, that okay. up. No, oh. he said the world is a more interesting place yeah. with you in it. I know, like, but he, the next alone. day he changed his mind over some bacon and eggs, and he's like, you know what? I'm actually going to go after you. Yeah, I th- I thought he was going to eat his friend though. That that was his plan. Doctor Chil- Children. He was going to have yeah. a friend for dinner. I'm yes, he have is. A Speaking of which, dinner. I was going to save this, but. Um, Hannibal is a clever guy, obviously, but if I were Hannibal, I would not, because then all of a sudden they're going to know that he's in this small desert island. He's going to be out of there before they find him. It was the Bahamas. I looked it up. That's where they were. I thought it was in Africa. Yeah. No, no. It was like Jamaica or Bahamas. It was Bahamas. And how are they going to know if they're not going to know that it was him? Of course they are. How? Because this guy imprisoned Hannibal for years. He didn't treat him well. All of a sudden the guy... Shows well, up Dr. Missing. Childers also didn't treat Hannibal well. True. Not but that I, he deserves yeah, I'm not, treatment. <laughs> so it's obvious that all of a sudden this guy goes missing, that it's Hannibal doing the dirty work. I mean, maybe. it depends on how quickly they find him. And also, what if there isn't a lot of coordination between, or is it the same? It's not the same jurisdiction. So what if they're like, oh, this doctor went missing. They right. don't make the connection. Everyone forgets. Yeah, Todd. You ready for what some? Yeah, are Todd. you ready for some awards? Let's hear it. I know. So in 2000, no, no, 1992, I guess, because it came out in 1991. It came out in February 14th, Valentine's Day. Oh, such a romantic romantic movie. Honey, let's go. Let's go to a movie. I got the great movie for us. Uh Um, So as most people know, most of the movies that they want to be considered for awards come in later on in the season. Mm -hmm. So they didn't think that this, even though it was a good movie, they didn't think they would get nominated for anything. I don't know what it got nominated for, but I'll tell you what it won. Okay. Best actor, Tony Hopkins. Best actress, Jodie Foster. Best Director, Jonathan Demme. Best Picture and Best Screenplay, whoever that guy is. They got nominated for all five of those. They won all five yeah. of them. Only right. horror movie to ever win. Only Oscar, horror movie to win picture. an Oscar. Interesting. And um, there's two other movies that I don't think my sweetheart will know that were nominated for the big five and won all five. One was from 1934 that I never heard of that I don't think you'll know called It Happened One Night. Okay. 
And the other one is from 1975. Best picture. There's no way you're going to know this. Gone with the Wind? No. 1975. I don't know. That, that was, was like the 50s, 30s, right? 30s. Yeah. <laughs> 50, my, my children think like the 30s are the same as the 50s. I don't know. They're like, it was when people were, they're not here anymore. Yeah. Um, well, I think if it was 1975, it was, am I going to know this? You've seen it. Ooh, 75. Oh, all the president's men know. No, give us a hint. Yeah, give us a hint. This is a very good hint. Okay. okay. Jack Nicholson. Oh, uh, Shining. No, that's no. a horror movie. Shoot. That's the only movie. Easy Rider? <clears throat> Jack Nicholson. Oh, uh, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Boom. There you oh. go. Yeah. So, and this is on the top 20 IMDb, which is Internet Movie Database. It's the 23rd ranked movie of all time by IMDb. Mm-hmm. Between a movie called City of God. Okay. What is that? I don't, I've never, never seen it. it. And It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. So it lands right in between those two. So what's the first? Um, I think the Wait, sh- can I have a guess? Sure. Citizens Kane. <laughs> I think it's Citizen Kane. I Whatever. don't think it's Citizen. Uh, I don't know. I Give like me I've a second to look before. it up. I feel like I've looked this it's up. It's Shawshank Redemption. Oh, it's Shawshank. That's right. Yeah. Which Did we you keep... look up? No, she's right because we talked about this before. Did you confirm? <laughs> You don't believe me? I want to be right. So, Cameron, two different things. Okay. When you look at, like, a critic's list Mm -hmm. of best movies, they often put Citizen Kane first. Okay. But IMDb is more like the people's choice. Ah. So then they're the ones rating it, and so they put Shawshank first. You also said we should watch Shawshank. That was my two options. Those were the two options. And Shawshank, you would freaking love it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not I'm not doubting it. Okay, all I right. just wanted to see Silence of the Lambs. So can I can I ask you guys a question? Sure. Yes. Prior to Silence of the Lambs, there had only been two films in the horror genre mm-hmm. nominated. Now, like Cam said, they didn't win, mm-hmm. but two films had been nominated under horror before. The first one was in 1974. Oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No. 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 Interesting. Uh, I'm trying to think of well-done horror movies. Not birds, the, right? The movie that everybody thinks is the scariest movie of all time. Oh, The Shining. Nope. Uh, oh, Exorcist. The Exorcist. Exorcist. That was nominated. And then the one, Why People Don't Like to Go in the Ocean. Oh, uh, Jaws. Jaws. 1976. So in the years that followed, only three joined. Only get out. three more. Yep, Get one Out was, was one get of out. them. Oh, get Out, so good. And then one was the first horror movie we ever let you watch. Oh, uh, the, I, oh, uh, oh, uh, The Sixth Sense. Right? That wasn't This the is the difference one. between her and us. When we can't come up with something, we'll just struggle for like a minute. <laughs> and her brain is new enough to where she can pull it out. She says blue blah. I'm frustrated. Blue blah. So The Sixth Sense was nominated in 2000. Black Swan was Ooh, nominated in 2011. That's a I thought that was about ballerinas or something. It's, it's a horror movie about ballerinas. They come and they kick you I know over and end, over she again. like dies somehow, but I don't remember. Don't spoil it for our sorry, listeners. Sorry, It's been around for a while. Yeah. Natalie Portman, didn't she win an Oscar for that? Yes. Yeah, and then also, doesn't it have Keira Knightley in it, or am I imagining Mila that? Kunis. Mila Kunis. Um, so Black Swan in 2011, and then Get Out in 2018. Do you want to know... Did you ask us the question yet? Because I don't want to interrupt you. I have something else to share. What's the question? Well, you said you want to ask us a question. I already did. Exorcist and Joss. Entertainment Weekly voted this is the fourth scariest movie of all time. So I'm using that as my basis to say that you're wrong, that this is actually a scary movie since it got ranked fourth of all time. And just for fun, we're going to go over the other 10. You already said Exorcist is number one. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is number two. Any other guesses that you want to throw out there? Shining. Shining is number three. 
Silence of the Lambs is number four. You said our Jaws. That was number six. Really? Oh, you want me to throw out more? Yeah, Five. do you have any? Halloween. Number seven. Ooh. And then number eight, nine, and ten are movies I've never seen. The Thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number nine, Night of the Living Dead. Sure. Mm-hmm. Never seen that. And Rosemary's Baby? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's creeps. What's that all about? I. It's very demented from what I've heard. Mia but- Farrow. Is it about Rosemary's baby? She's pregnant with a demon baby. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I've seen Jaws. Didn't affect me very much, but I know for the time that was like the first shark movie or something, or first well-done shark movie, I have never seen The Exorcist, and I assume that's scary if it's ranked number one. Exorcist? Yeah. I've seen it, but it's been so long. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't get scared by the, by like, that type of horror movie, I guess. I don't know. I don't get scared by the same things that you do. So let me just say mm-hmm. that I do get very frightened by movies, and there's many things I refuse to watch. I mm-hmm. won't watch The Babadook. I won't watch um, Hereditary. Or I won't Quiet watch. Place. I don't want to watch Quiet Place. <laughs> but The Silence of the Lambs and The Shining do not bother me. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that they aren't scary or that I can't understand why people are scared, mm. but they are not my fears. Like I I'm much more I was much more affected by paranormal activity mm. than mm. I was by Silence Silence of the Lambs to me is a good movie. Yeah. Well, it's a psychological thriller yeah. to me. It's not like I I like the way you put it cuz that's exactly what I feel. Like obviously you watch the movie it's clearly a horror movie. It's not like there's nothing. Like, there's one scene that's disgusting. Like, a few scenes, actually. But it's not my type of bothersome that, like, gnaws at my brain. Well, when I was listening to, in prep for this podcast, they were talking about how to describe this movie. And I don't know if it was Jodie Foster or Jonathan Demme, who's the director. He's like, it's a, it's a, it's a detective movie. It's about detectives. It's not about Hannibal or Buffalo Bill. So it just depends on who you ask. I thought it was about her trauma. I thought it was about Clarice. Like that was, it's Clarice's movie. Absolutely. I I agree with Cameron that yes, Todd. So none of us are wrong here, Mm -hmm. but this movie to me is about the growth and the the post-traumatic growth of Clarice Starling Mm. is that it's also about, which I don't know if I want to jump, if you're ready for me to jump into this. I don't want you to jump in yet because okay. I'm going to, I feel like we've been talking for 18 minutes and we haven't played enough material okay, from it. Mm-hmm. These are just quick sound bites just to bring everybody back because it's been 30 years. Don't you hurt my dog! Oh boy. No, he cuffs. That is his nature. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. It rubs the lotion. Uh, let's see. What does he do, this man you seek? He kills women. No, that is incidental. Yikes. One more. People will say we're in love. Oh, mm, no. nice guy. Oh, no, Hannibal. No, no, no. So did you read, Todd, what he based his voice off of? I feel like I, I, it was on my YouTube thing, but I don't remember what it was. He based it off of 2001, mm. the computer in 2001. Mm. He also based it off of who's the guy? Capote, Truman Capote. Oh, okay. It was a mix of that. And there was one other person, but he like combined it because he wanted to have a really distinct speaking style mm. that demonstrated his 
um, what's the word I'm looking for where you're really precise. uh, It's not precise where you can tell that you are an educated person, Mm. that you are a very precise, I guess, is sure of what you say. Correct. Mm. That he had a a sense of dignity about what he believed and that, but he was also creepy. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, that's not how people speak. Yeah. Like what I will say is that obviously you won an Oscar, did a nice job and if I heard that voice, I would immediately know that it was him. Like, it's so... Distinct. It's, like, you know it immediately. It's super creepy. And, yeah. How about Cameron when Clarice is walking down the hallway and the first shot you see of him, he's standing there perfectly still. Oh, yeah. That was creepy. Creepy. And he's staring at her and he's in all white and he's tucked in perfectly. He has an air He's actually in blue. He's so clean. In that that first scene. Oh, he is? He's in a blue. Because they play with the different colors. It was going to be orange, like a prisoner's orange, and they didn't like that. He's in white in the the jail. That's right. You're right. So he's in blue, but uh, Jonathan Demme asked Tony Hopkins, like, how do you want to present yourself? Like, do you want to be laying down? Do you want to be looking the other way to create some mysteries? Like, I want to be standing in the middle of the room. Wow. Ready. So eerie. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he knew, she, it was like she Yeah, he I knew. thought he like knew, heard her coming or something. Oh I think he God. did. I think he absolutely he, did. Because he's you, like, I'm going to freak this person out. You could hear the other inmates saying things and mm. he was really offended by Miggs, mm-hmm. who we talked a lot about Miggs. Well, can Miggs we is gross. quickly talk about, so after he basically shoes Jodie Foster off saying, you know what? You're not, I'm not giving you any information. Right. Mm-hmm. She bails and then Miggs is mean to her. Well, he, and, and he, he flings semen at her face. Yes, he does. Ugh. And she, and then all of a sudden Hannibal, the cannibal is like, come on back. Actually, let's talk. Do like, you know why? He feels bad. Is that why? He was so offended. This is yeah. what I want. He's like, you guys have to help me with words. It's not gentleman. aristocratic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like, a. he believes himself to be a gentleman. And he was so offended mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. what Miggs did yeah. that he called her back. And it's a really like abrupt scene. I don't know if it's perfect. Yeah, I done. couldn't understand what was going on for us. I was like, did she do something wrong? Because he seemed mad. And I guess he was. But I think, jo- that, sorry, Clarice, that's what she kind of figures out. Like, he's very gentlemanly. Like, when sorry this is skipping ahead in the movie but when she tells her friend from the fbi like he's not gonna call me that would be rude like i can't explain it like she figures out what his kind of tells are and like where his morals are very screwed up so this is when hannibal just decides to help her out right in that scene that happened to you, this courtesy is unspeakably ugly to me. Then do this test for me. No, but I will make you happy. I'll give you a chance for what you love most. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Go back and play that, because she says what we're looking for. How would that have had that happen to you? This courtesy is unspeakably ugly to me. I would never let that happen to you. I would never. That was unspeakably ugly to Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So now he's saying... I will give you what you need. So the mm-hmm. best thing that ever happened to Clarice is this... Getting semen thrown at her face. Yes. Migs. 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 Migs sucks. Migs sucks. Well, and as we know, later on, like 10 minutes later in the movie, you find out that Hannibal <clears throat> talked to Migs or said something to Migs to cause him to die. Now, they say he swallowed his own tongue, mm-hmm. but isn't that impossible? Yeah, I don't know how I think it's that. impossible, but if you are so deranged that you start chewing your tongue, uh, yeah, then like, maybe you can. I don't know. I think if, like, did you know, actually, this is a fun fact that kind of relates, like, if you wanted to, a, eating off your finger would be as easy as biting into a carrot. 
Oh. Fun fact. But your human psychology keeps you from not doing it. But when you're deranged like Migs or Hannibal or whatever, Hannibal eats people. Like you, like certain parts of your brain just like don't work that way. So I believe he probably could have the power to do it. Cameron, you like just it. called that we could eat our finger like a carrot yeah. a fun fact. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I found it on the fun is. facts. By the way, carrots uh, overrated, just so everybody Carrots knows. are good. No. Um, so quick trivia about Hannibal or Anthony Hopkins. When studying the character he played, Sir Anthony Hopkins noticed similar characteristics in reptiles. Reptiles only blink when they want to and do it consciously. Therefore, in the movie, Hopkins only blinks in special moments and very consciously. Did you guys notice that his he didn't blink very, very often? I that, not. that is why that scene when she's walking down the hallway and finds him is because he's staring at her. Mm. <laughs> yes. Um, Martha Stewart and Anthony Hopkins dated briefly during production. By the way, I don't. this has not been verified. This is on IMDb. Uh, they dated briefly during production. Following the film's release, Stewart ended the relationship because she couldn't divorce Hopkins from his performance as Hannibal Lecter. I, I, I believe that. I mean, it'd be kind of tough. In his first meeting with Clarice, Dr. Hannibal Lecter describes the drawing on his cell wall as the Dumo seen from the Belvedere in Florence, Italy. In Hannibal, the movie, 2001, Lecter is living in Florence as a fugitive. And then this, I thought this. So, well, before you move on, I actually really enjoyed. So, I've probably seen this movie ten times, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't seen it in a while, and we just watched it the other night. And it's such a great scene because he, at first, it feels like he has the upper hand, and he thinks he's just going to like overpower Clarice. And then Clarice asks him about his drawings, and then she says something low key like, "Oh, you just did that from memory, Doctor?" Mm -hmm. And he's like, "You know, my memories." He goes into this thing, and she's like. And they have a little conversation. Then she's like, oh, will you fill this out for us? And he's like, oh, you're doing doing so so well. And it was his way of being like, we were having a conversation. We were connecting. And then you you forgot. And you like dropped into, I need something from you mode. Mm -hmm. Um, So that scene is really powerful. Um, An alternate ending showed Dr. Hannibal Lecter on the phone with Clarice. And after he hung up, Dr. Frederick Chilton was shown tied up in a chair. Dr. Hannibal Lecter holding a knife would tell him, shall we begin before the camera fades to black? Oh, horrible. I could totally see that. That's horrible. Director Jonathan Demme deemed this ending to be too icky and had it changed to the now iconic ending where Dr. Hannibal Lecter um, follows Dr. Chilton through the village. I mean... Which which would you rather have? Like... I don't know. I mean, I get that that's gross, but how is it any grosser than what he did before? I'll tell you. It's yeah. not about... Okay, the scariest things are the things we don't see. Mm-hmm. This is why paranormal activity bothered me. And that's why me. Blair Witch Project works. Correct. So the other weird thing, which I don't know if you guys agree with this, but there's what makes Silence of the Lambs super uncomfortable mm-hmm. is at the end... When you see him walking, okay, because Dr. Chilton is a jerk. Yeah, okay. He's the worst. Regardless of how he treats Hannibal, just the way he treats everybody. Mm-hmm. Like he's an egomaniac. He's not great to Clarice. No. It's not just about how he treats Hannibal. So when you see Hannibal following him and putting his hat on and kind of walking the way he does, you have a weird moment of like cheering him on. Yeah, go get him. And that's so gross. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But that's what makes the movie powerful is you're like, wait a second, why do I want Hannibal to be free? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they would have shown us... So the moment in the movie 
that you're talking about, Cameron, that's mm-hmm. disgusting when oh. you disembowels that person, that oh, guard. Dip. That's the first time you really see Hannibal be Hannibal. Yeah. Totally. And you're all kind of just like imagining like, oh, this guy's crazy, but he's very clean. He's very put together. He knows what he's saying. Like, exactly. He's very careful. And you can almost buy into it. Like, oh, maybe totally. he's just a misunderstood man. And mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, no, this guy is beyond. Yeah. Yeah. And then that – so – you're going to lose the audience if you have him in a chair with a knife. We would end that movie going, oh, mm-hmm. versus, huh. Yeah. 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 Oh, I see. Yeah. The one part that really hit, like, not, uh, hit me about how not, like, not just gory and awful Hannibal is, but about how smart he is when he's looking at the pen. And, mm-hmm. like, you, I, like, they, at first I kind of forgot that they kept, flashing back and forth to it and I was like oh he's gonna take it but like you don't know what he's gonna do with it but then he somehow finds a way to get him out of a very secure prison with only like part of a pen Mm -hmm. and then he uses the other half to like give Clarice the last piece of evidence she needs or something totally he writes in her her book so Cameron remember when I said this is that part from the office did you know what I meant what no so do you remember in the office the episode that you love where they're doing um, the, the the CPR thing? The yeah. dummy, yeah. And then Dwight cuts off his face and puts it on his face? Yes. That's from Silence of the Lambs. Oh, my God. I did not make that connection. Yeah, because then he does the... I knew that that was from Silence of the Lambs. I completely forgot because he says Clarice. Right, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So let's pivot over. I feel like we should divide this up into okay. characters. Yeah. So we talked about Hannibal. Let's talk about Clarice. Um my first take, I mean, obviously, what a wonderful, strong character. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that I listen to is what's cool about this movie is the hero is a female, which doesn't happen, didn't happen in 1991 mm-hmm. very often. It happens probably a little more often now. Mm-hmm. But at the time, it was just not happening. So Yeah, Jack Crawford yeah, didn't She didn't need crap. a sidekick like, yeah, for anything. She was on her own. Yeah, she, um, yeah, literally. And then one thing that I think we talked about was how many of these guys said inappropriate things to her throughout the movie. Like the characters. It was either looking every single scene where she was walking. There was always guys looking back or something like, I don't remember ever seeing a scene where we met like a neutral male character, except I guess the person who put her onto the case. But from what I've heard, from what you've told me, that was a part added into the book, like, and just not the movie that he had a thing for Clarice. And that's why he put her on the case. Yeah. So, what I will say is on this viewing, yeah. that misogyny became glaring to yeah. me, where mm-hmm. I don't think I thought about that the first it was time so I watched normal. it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Clarice had to, in some situations, allow for it, for example, the bug guy. Mm-hmm. She needs information from the bug guys, the guys who are helping her with the mm-hmm. moth, and the oh. one guy is like, let's go to a dinner or whatever, and she has to say, are you hitting on me? And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah. And she has to kind of... She has to play dumb a She has to bit. play dumb. And mm-hmm. it's so... And I'm not blaming Clarice or Jodie yeah. Foster. That's how... When people talk about Me Too stuff and, mm-hmm. and like, what do they call it? Paper cuts. Um, microaggressions. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that become exhausting because mm-hmm. you are trying to do your job just like everybody else, and she's having to fend off yeah. advancements. Dr. Like, Dr. Chilton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dr. Chilton, I feel like I'm thinking about the wrong So person. she comes in and he said, are you staying the night? Because if you have the right guy showing you around. Right. Okay. So she has to say, I've really? got to do my job. So oh my this God. is Jodie Foster, I think, talking about this very topic. Lewis Friend, Iron Soul Fod, also known as, as Fool's Gold. Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. 
If Silence of the Lambs uh, had been about a guy named Clark, Clark Starling, a uh, young rookie, um, it would have been a completely different movie. And yet, uh, it's a traditional hero role that traditionally we always see men uh, cast for. Uh, but there's something very important that happens to this character when you realize that she's a woman in a man's world. So it was very important for Jonathan to establish that early on. Crawford's very clever, isn't he, using you? What do you mean, sir? Pretty young woman to turn him on. I had it very much in mind that I wanted to look for every single opportunity to, to visually emphasize this struggle of the young woman against the, the male world to save the other young woman. So even at Quantico, it, it, we had a, a terrific opportunity to set that up very easily by having Jody, who was relatively shorter than most of the men she encountered. And I tried to cast tall whenever possible with men to emphasize the sort of this physical implied power of, uh, of, of these men over the, the shorter woman. Remember the scene where she's getting on the elevator and there's like nine guys behind her and she just steps into the elevator all by herself? What scene came to my mind was when they're doing the FBI training and they're having to turn with the pillow and mm -hmm. a guy will hit yeah. the pillow yeah. and then she'll turn to somebody else and she's the only... Now, she has a best friend yeah. who's a woman, yeah. but they are both in this situation where men are just like pounding this pillow and they're, she's like a foot shorter. She's holding her own, mm -hmm. yeah. but it's 10 times harder for her sure. than totally. it is for them. When you don't have that strength behind you, what I've heard about punching is you have to be more strategic you mm -hmm. have to throw your entire body behind you and not just your arm yeah it's just different and they're totally watching her while she's doing training like she can't get away from it no uh, and Hannibal didn't really mention it I mean he tried to make her uncomfortable a little bit but he never really seemed like he was interested in her in that way I don't think he sexualized her but the mm -hmm. woman aspect right when she shows up he tells her what she smells like mm -hmm. oh, remember yeah. he's like yeah. um, not the way Migs does oh my god but Migs. he tells her the kind of perfume she wears and then she also he also comments on her shoes mm. he comments on what she's wearing mm. um, so he so the woman aspect it, he wouldn't comment there. on that with a man yeah and so she has to learn it, so one of my favorite it's a really quick moment but when they are going to do the autopsy on the girl who was pulled from the river and, you know, Jack Crawford wants Clarice to come. But then there's all these men, like police the, officers, the county troopers or whatever it is. Yeah. And Jack is like he says to them, we need to go in another room. I'm not, I'm not doing this. Uh, this is not verbatim. But he's mm -hmm. like, we need to go in another room. And they all look at her like we can't talk about such a thing in front of a woman. Mm. And then they leave. And all these cops are left to stare at her. Oh yeah. God. It's so uncomfortable. And then later, when they're done, Jack says to them and says to Clarice in the I, car. I got it right here. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Hey, victims. Get close up. Victim skin removed, this time in two large. Starling. When, when I, I told that sheriff we shouldn't talk in front of a woman, that really burned you, didn't it? It was just smoke, Starling. I had to get rid of him. Matters, Mr. Crawford. Cops look at you to see how to act. Matters. Point taken. Am I the only one that doesn't like Crawford in this movie? You're not supposed to. He's fine. Nothing like he's not the worst of them. Obviously, I mean, there's the doctor and Hannibal, but he's none of the men are super likable. Yeah. I don't okay. think you're supposed. To, I don't think I, I like the way that Cameron just said that. I don't think it's like they're trying to make him the villain by any means, yeah. but. 
Clarice is smarter than Jack Crawford, and but Jack Crawford really holds all the power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that moment is a bit redeeming for him because all she says is it matters. Mm-hmm. So when you, you do that, they mm-hmm. look to you to see how you should treat a woman and it matters. So at least that's a really quick moment. For 30 years ago, that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you'd think we'd come further, but... What else, uh, you know, what else is there to say? Yeah, I mean, in that scene, remember right after, I don't remember why, but he tells all the cops to leave, and she has to ask them, like, three times to go before they actually listen to her. And she did that on her own. She's like, go home now. Mm -hmm. Goodbye. She's like, we got this. And then they don't move, and I'm like, oh, is this going to be, like, really embarrassing? And then she's like, go. She holds her own. And she, you know, at first, seeing, you know, they're all, like, getting ready for this autopsy, and at first she's really overwhelmed by it uh-huh. but she's able to do her work i mean i think it's probably her first autopsy yeah. right you know and what she's seeing she's put like the white powder under her nose i know yeah. i thought she was like uh i was kind of confused on like which part she was just like that's the way she talks and which part she was like about to start crying totally well that's jodie foster like yeah. can i do a quick jodie foster thing sure. sure so interestingly enough todd actually just watched taxi driver for the first time the other night but he and i have been talking about taxi driver because the rewatchable is one of my favorite podcasts Podcast just did Taxi Driver. And one of the big parts of that movie is Jodie Foster. She's 12 years old. She plays a prostitute in the movie, which is a big deal in itself, having a young girl, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. For those of you who know the story, what ended up happening is after Taxi Driver came out, John Hinckley um, shot President Reagan, and he said he did it to get the attention of Jodie Foster. Oh, yeah. So what what happened after that is she kind of pulled away from acting for a while. She she you know stopped pretty much and went to Yale and you know did the a more typical path for a young woman. And then when she came back to acting, she did The Accused. That was like the first big role she did. Maybe she did a few others before, but The Accused was the first starring role. And she won an Academy Award for it. And then the very next year was when Silence of the Lambs was casting. And she wanted the part. Mm -hmm. And it initially was going to go to Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer Pfeiffer because that's who Jonathan Demme thought would be good in it. And she passed. Because it was too violent. And Meg Ryan passed. I, the way I heard it is Pfeiffer was one and Jodie Foster was two. I, and you know what? I probably didn't read the right research. And the way, because De- this was Demi's words okay. that I heard this morning. He said, when we knew Michelle Pfeiffer wasn't going to uh, be the one, he, because Jodie Foster expressed interest knowing Michelle Pfeiffer was the number one. Got He's it. like, I just want to be your second choice in case it doesn't work out. So after Pfeiffer was out of the picture, he, um, she went to meet him and he said the way that she just walked up to him and I don't think she was being in character. Jodie mm-hmm. Foster is a fierce, strong, yes. smart woman. And he's like, that's Clarice. Just the way she walked up to him was enough for him to say, yes, this is your role. So basically she won the Academy Award for Best Actress in 1989 for The Accused and then won the Academy Award for, in 1992 for Silence of the Lambs. It's a good run. That's a, that's like a Tom Hanks thing. That's like a Philadelphia yeah. Forrest Gump thing. So um, she was actually nominated for Best Actress for Taxi Driver too. Oh, wow. She was nominated in 1977. When she was 12? Uh, yeah. Wow. So the youngest was Tatum O'Neill. I think she was even younger. Paper Moon. Oh, but she won. So yeah. maybe she wasn't the youngest nominee. Jodie Foster was also nominated for Nell, but I can't, I didn't love Nell. Who's Nell? Nell. Uh, Nell's just an interesting movie. Let's not talk about that right now because okay. I have other things I need to say. <laughs> this is about Jonathan Demme and how he directs. Okay, let's hear it. When characters are, are talking to Starling, they often talk directly to the camera. Correct. Now, before I move on, 
did you obviously you guys notice that what did you think of that style of filmmaking okay um i've seen a lot of movies it's not my favorite style i like seeing like just two characters t- talking to each other i don't like like close ups on one face but it was very genius in the way it made me uncomfortable yes. and like it made me feel like every character was like somehow a villain for a second like it made me like suspect clarice like mm. the first time cuz whenever you do that in a movie where they don't do that a lot you like you think someone's up to something. So it definitely set the tone for the movie. So good. When she is talking to them, when Clarice is talking to them, she's always looking slightly off camera. Director Jonathan Demme has explained that this was done so the audience would directly experience her point of view, but not theirs. Mm -hmm. Hence encouraging the audience to more readily identify with her. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, what else do I got? Part of Jodie Foster's deal for doing this movie was that Orion Pictures would also allow her to direct a movie, and she directed Little Man Tate. Yeah. Which I love. I love, I love that movie. That's a great movie. And then last but not least, uh, that's all I got for Jodie Foster. Cameron, you'll relate to this. So Little Man Tate, um, it's about she plays the mom, and her son is so aware of what's going on in the world. Like he's so, we could call it his IQ was high, but really it was his EQ. Uh. And so he would see newspapers of like things going on in the world and it would make him so sick. So he just had like, I I think you have really a high EQ like that. Do you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like you can relate to that where you kind of have to put up a shield and be like, I can't take all this crap in. (laughs) So, but yeah, that was a good movie. I don't think it got the kudos it deserved. Um, trying to think of, I'm trying to find the right spot. So this is about Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins on set. You know, Anthony Hopkins and I had kind of a strange relationship in the film. We only got to meet once before the film started, which was a table reading in New York City. Um, I had gotten there early, nobody was there. So then I talked on the phone and I did some stuff. And by the time I came back, everybody was sitting at the table and they were like, okay, let's start. So I never got to talk to him. And we did a table reading of the entire movie. And he scared me to death. <laughs> I got really scared, and he, he was really ominous, and so I couldn't talk to him after that. And we all kind of went our separate ways, and I never saw him again. And then we started shooting, and we'd do one person's side one day, and then the next day we'd do the other person's side. And a lot of it was also direct camera. So we didn't get to look at each other even. So. There were a few moments on the film where we would have that where you're drinking coffee and you're there and and I would kind of side left him and I go hi and he go hi. On a girl's body down in West Virginia. All right, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. But they actually go on to say and I, I can't find the clip where I think after the movie was wrapped, they had some time to spend with one another. And Tony Hopkins like, I was terrified of you. Because she had won an Academy Award. Yes. yes. And she's like, I, and, and Jodie Foster's like, why are you terrified of me? I'm the <laughs> FBI agent playing this role. You were the cannibal. Yeah, you're the cannibal. But you could see, I'd be totally intimidated by Jodie Foster. Well, and that's the thing is I think we have to remember that Anthony Hopkins at this point was not Anthony Hopkins. Uh, like no. he was, he was just, he had had roles, but he, now we know him as Sir Anthony Hopkins, you know? Mm-hmm. But so he, I had read the same thing that he was like, there's this woman she's an amazing actress everybody in america loves her mm. and so he was you know nervous to act with her yeah. yeah that actually really surprises me that they didn't meet because i don't know maybe this wasn't a thing back then but when you have like that relationship kind of like 
made the entire movie. Like that was really important. And usually you would have a chemistry read. Am I wrong? Maybe because of the way John, Jonathan Demi planned to shoot it, the fact that you heard her say that they would focus on her one day and then him the next day. Mm. So while we're watching the movie thinking they're staring at each other, they never really were. I now, guess. they obviously had a few scenes when he was in the cage in Tennessee and then when she he calls her back after Migs mm-hmm. where they are face-to-face. Yeah. But those are very few scenes. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so like when the first meeting, when we just like get one half and one half, like was he not like right there? No, he she wasn't was saying? there. Cameron doesn't like that. I, I, they, that I think that it's better when it's just back and forth. It's like easier to make the conversation seem more normal yeah. as normal as a, as talking to a cannibal can be. I guess authentic. We all want to talk to a cannibal. I know, an authentic. So let's pivot over to um, Buffalo Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, he's pretty freaky. Precious. So Precious. I, I have, <laughs> I have all sorts dog. of things. What do you got? About Buffalo Bill. So first of all, I want to say about Ted Levine, the actor, is he really, I was kind of reading an article, it just so happened an article in Rolling Stone came out two days ago about Silence of the Lambs because of the 30th anniversary. And he really, he wanted this role and he fought for this role. And as you guys may predict, he had a kind of a hard time getting roles afterwards because sure. he, yeah. I, everybody kind of identified him with Buffalo Bill. He was in Heat. He was in some other major movies, but it, it those, that's a hard thing to break out of. Um, what I'll say about his, like, he had a lot of ideas that he brought to Buffalo Bill, and I know that Buffalo Bill was based on Ted Bundy, um, Ed. Yeah, three different two other stories. guys that yeah. I never heard of who were awful human beings. So basically, like the scene where he, when he first meets Catherine Martin, and he's got a cast on his arm, and he's got the van with the—that's totally Ted Bundy. Yes, that's what Ted Bundy used to do. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the other things like skinning the women—that was another serial different killer. Guy, yeah. So he's an amalgam yes. of a bunch of serial killers. Um, I will. I want to talk about probably the the thing that's kind of been the most criticized about Silence of the Lambs is his depiction of, and I'm using this language on purpose because it's what's used in the movie, as a transsexual character mm-hmm. that at the time, and I think continuing to this day, it's getting much better, but a lot of times characters who maybe their gender identification wasn't clear or even their sexuality wasn't clear, like think about Basic Instinct and Roxy or, you know, that for those of you who have seen it, like mm-hmm. that they often either were the, dying early or they were murderers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the LGBTQ community was not super psyched with having somebody, and again, I'm putting this in air quotes, transsexual, which we now know is transgender. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I know even within that word, there's a lot of different ways to identify. So I just want to be clear. But what they say in the movie and what Jonathan Demme con- continued to say, but this was also written into the book and the script, is that, and I'll just quote Dr. Lecter. He says to Clarice, Our Billy wasn't born a criminal, Clarice. He was made one through years of systemic abuse. Billy hates his own identity, you see, and he thinks that makes him a transsexual. But his pathology is a thousand times more savage and more terrifying. What Jonathan Demme explained was that Buffalo Bill wasn't a a gay character, nor was he necessarily transgender. Mm -hmm. He was a tormented man. He hated himself and he wished he was a woman because that would have kept him away from himself. It would have taken him as far away from who he was as possible. Mm -hmm. And so 
now historically the character the actors and actresses especially like um you know Jodie Foster is a, a gay woman herself mm-hmm. they have said that again the language that was used was not great and that they could see the pattern of characters not being represented in a fair way mm-hmm. but the movie is trying to say he really wasn't transgender yeah, like it wasn't trying to put him as the bad guy because he was transgender like Correct. that wasn't even in the equation Correct. well and so i have a was. i have a clip of because they there was people protesting outside yes. the theaters and all that and i had i have a little clip on i think jonathan demi talking about that very thing the interesting thing about that is that we were being picketed. You know, our film sort of got lumped in with Basic Instinct, where they, um, some of the more activist groups really felt that it portrayed uh, a gay character as being psychopathic and that the audiences would be confused into believing that, you know, if you were gay or transgender, then that must mean you're a serial killer. Mrs. Lippman had a son, though. Maybe he could help you. I got, I got... There's no real suggestion, as far as I'm concerned, of gay lifestyles in this guy. There is a mention earlier that in his youth, James Gum had had a homosexual relationship with one person. And to me, I thought, that clicks. He's tried everything. Now he's trying to turn himself literally into a woman, skinning women to put their skin on. And that's where the movie and that character tumbled into a tradition of negative gay stereotypes um, in movies. And some individuals were quick to pounce on the character in an oversimplified way. But I think it has vanished from the legacy of the film because on further inspection, I think people really realized that um, that was kind of a superficial reading of the movie. And it's a film that will last forever. It's, there's a timeless quality to it, to the way it's shot, to the way it's cast. There's nothing trendy about the movie or flashy or look at me. Mm, that's good enough. Um, jo- that was Jonathan Demme who was speaking most of the time. I think Jonathan Demme died, didn't he? I think you're right. Um, but the next movie he did was Philadelphia. Which is, which was the first movie, at least with, ma- there, it was probably not the first, the most major mainstream movie about AIDS mm-hmm. with Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. And he did a tremendous amount in helping us understand AIDS yep. and helping us identify with men and women who were diagnosed with AIDS. So... So anyway, I actually have no comment on like right, wrong, good, bad. Like if for people who find it offensive, I get it, mm-hmm. you know, right? That's and, – and I also am reading into the fact that that wasn't the intention, that really him being – and I'll use transgender now because we're in 2021 20, – is him thinking he wanted out of his body. And actually he – part of the movie is he went to how they found him, like one of the ways that – Lecter tells Clarice to find him is he had been denied Mm. by a number of clinics because he had gone in because he wanted reassignment surgery and they denied him because they did not feel that he fit the profile of someone who is truly transgender. And so then what does he do? He decides to build a women's skin suit. As one does. As one does. He was just getting creative. Um, He was. And so it gives you the psychopathology of he just wanted out of his body. Um, So Ted Levine. He's he's the actor who played Hannibal or Buffalo Bill. No, Buffalo Bill, not Hannibal. During location scouting for the house in which the serial killer James Gum was living, Ted Levine, who played James Gum, was amazed to discover that the house being considered was not only in the town where he grew up, but was literally next door to the house of his high school girlfriend. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Is that it? Why is that? We're like, keep that, going. Was no, that that's intentional? It. No, it was oh. a coincidence. Oh, interesting. Who would have thought? Yeah, that house was a bit of a mess. 
Yeah, it was a little messy. So let's talk about that scene. Let's di- let's dissect that scene. So let's. we're talking about... So first of all, Buffalo Bill is his name in the newspapers. Yes. His real name is James Gum. Which is a really interesting name. <laughs> it sounds like James Gunn to me. And J- I can't stop like, thinking about J-A-M-E-G-U-M-B. It. No, G-U... Yes, Gum. Right. Gum. James Gum. Not Jamie Gum, but James mm-hmm. Gum. He also goes by other names, like when Clarice comes to the door and that kind of twist at the end, mm-hmm. he says his name's Jack Gordon. So he's using the same initials, but it's a different name. But when he... I. I have a little nitpick with this movie, which is when she says he he invites her in. Why does he do that? To and and you get into that main room, and I don't know if you saw it, but on the back table there is like what you'd see in an art room of saran wrap, mm-hmm. not like a box of saran wrap, but like one of those things you would have that's like runs the length of a table. Oh, like shrink wrap. Yes. Oh. Yeah. And why would a human have that? on their main table. Sending a lot Maybe of packages. He's artsy. He's also a Nazi, which I was confused on why yes. that was included in the Yeah, that was film. interesting. Why would they put him as... Well, he, his hatred of himself and others, mm-hmm. like he had an inner hatred and he, that went, that he obviously inflicted that on everyone else. He had no empathy. Yeah. I just think of, yeah, we'll go down a whole rabbit hole. So with that. we noticed that he was the reason Cameron's saying he's a Nazi is that you can see at the end that he's got swastikas all over the yes. place. Um, it, was Cameron, very, it felt very random to me. I was just like, oh, sorry. I think it's more character development. I guess. I guess a lot of hatred that kind of leads you to more hatred with groups who have a lot of hatred. It's just all. Do you know why he's playing this? most random weird scene this, this music's creepy it is well don't you think it's very i remember like songs that sounded like this it's very creepy i don't know if the, whoever wrote the song had that in mind for the song i think it changed the trajectory of this song yes, so the scene that we're talking about is when james gum buffalo bill dances in front of the camera and he does a tuck back yeah. because, again, he he does not want to see himself as a man. Um, and so it's a very kind was of that iconic improvised? scene. Yes, it was improvised by Ted Levine. How about that, Ted Levine? Hmm. So before we go off Buffalo Bill, yeah. the most, and, you know, we're already talking about Precious, but the the probably one of the, besides the quotes from Hannibal, the most notable quotes in the movie are... The lotion and the it puts, it puts the, the lotion in the basket. He's just so frustrated. Or it gets the hose. Yeah. Do you have any of that? I Todd? think I do. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. <gasps> Mister, my family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. <laughs> it rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> yes, you will, precious. You will get the hose. Okay, okay, okay. He loves his dog. He loves Precious. 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 So, she um, takes Precious. Well, she's smart, super smart. And then she loves that dog. She won't let it go. Yeah, she's no. like, no. <laughs> she's I think she precious. feels bad just that she was threatening to kill the dog. For sure. I don't think she would have killed the dog. And I don't even think she was really hurting it, but yeah. she knew it was the only thing oh. that, that he, he cared, cared about. about. 
And she had to get some power and that's the way she did it. He actually, and I'm not going to be able to remember this whole thing and I know we need to move on, but Ted Levine even talked about the voice he was trying to have. What like did he, he was, I, I can't remember, but he thought really deeply about how would this guy's voice sound, mm. you know, like, which would be like, how does somebody who's struggling with all those things and doing all those things sound? Let's mm. say I, I'm, he's a little off. A little weird. He did. Yeah. Well, it it puts the lotion in its basket. It puts the lotion. Let's, He's just like, come on. Let's talk about Catherine Martin. Amazing. Yeah. Great character. Talk about another. I mean, I know this sounds crazy because she's in the well, but she's a strong woman too. Totally. She stays pretty strong. And yes. She's just like. Why are you looking at me like that? I don't know what this is from. Don't you remember when she's in the car and she's singing and your dad and I started singing along? No. So when she's driving before she gets to her apartment, yeah. she's totally rocking out to American Girl by Tom Petty. It's the last song she hears before she gets uh, assaulted. And I feel like the choice of the song and who she is, you learn who she is in that whole th- scene. She's just like a normal American girl. She, exactly. Mm-hmm. And then she pulls up and that's when he's got the van because she's going to go up and feed her cat, remember? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And then she's a nice person. Yeah. She wants to help, but she's also tough. When One of the funniest also, parts... Don't get into a truck with some I rando know. guy. That was stupid. I would... that That's just it. And if you're going to help him, do it the other way. Don't have it in a way where he can just push you in. That's, Cameron, never do it. Yeah, I, I just don't think... I'm just not going to help people put couches in trucks. I'm not going to be that much help e- either way. At night, one man who has a cast on, just say, I'll get someone to help you. Yeah, or say, exactly. do it yourself. <laughs> do it yourself. I've got to feed my cat. Yeah, I have a cat. I don't. Um, so I want to fast forward to... My favorite part of this movie. <laughs> okay. Get me out of here! <laughs> Catherine, I'm gonna get you out of there, but right now you listen to me. I've gotta leave this room. I'll be right back. No! Don't you leave me here, you fucking bitch! <laughs> I mean, come on. That is such a I great completely part. agree with her. I'm like, no, you're not gonna leave me in here. Do not leave this room. And because then she uh, dies and then yes. you're back to square one. I was so frustrated that Clarice didn't call back up. I love the end of the movie. I love that it's all her. They had to make it intense. That's I know. the only way to do it. I know. She never should have gone in the house. He never should have let her in. Sorry, she doesn't live here. Close the she door. She didn't figure it out, but she should have called back up before she went in the basement. I know. That's if they wanted like I don't know but she totally like she was very brave in the scariest scene ever with, with the night vision goggles I yep. and, and so your that. dad always got scared at the night vision goggles that doesn't scare me I mean like it's creepy it's creepy yeah. and I want to be clear I'm sounding like I'm like oh that doesn't scare me I get frightened by a lot of things yeah. mm-hmm. it's not like it's not meant to be scary you don't understand that it it's doesn't not, bother me it do, yeah it's not something that I'm just like on the edge of my seat like going this is I didn't like that he was almost touching your yes. face that I didn't like but I wasn't like crazy like oh what's gonna happen because camera doesn't like yeah. it when people touch her face no well and they knew that they want the filmmakers knew that they wanted to bring back the night vision goggles that you saw at the beginning of the movie when yeah. he had them on the problem was after she shoots him the, the audience wants to see him yeah. dying uh, why and dead. did the yeah. light go back on well she somebody came up with the idea is like how about we just she shoots out I some apparently something in World War Two you would like barricade the windows with wood just to make sure that there's whatever there's 
it was like a safety thing for certain basements is board up the windows. So when she shot, she one of the shots that she didn't hit him with hit like a a boarded up window and it shattered How are we that. supposed to know that? Because you saw it happen. I, just, I didn't. I probably Did you? just missed that. Yeah, I yeah, missed you, that. You've seen it a million times. You haven't seen. You didn't notice that. I did that? not notice yeah, so that. Yeah, so basically, she shot a, a window that was boarded up. Okay. So then you're able to have this release, which you've been hanging on to for the first hour and a half of this movie, is that there is light. He's dying or dead, and she's okay. Well, all of that I got, yeah. I guess when I saw it this time, I was like, why did the lights automatically turn on? Yeah. I didn't see the window the lights get yes. shut on. Mm -hmm. She yes. just shot. Yeah. So I feel good. He's dead. And then that was an awesome move where she was fast. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. We started she cheering. She was faster than him. So wait, I have one more thing, Todd, before we close up. Sure. Mm -hmm. The one question, again, a bit of a nitpick here, is her ability to do his anagrams of Hannibal's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Clarice would recognize that Lecter was not saying what he really meant. Like, for example, when he tells Catherine Martin, who this woman's a senator, I think, mm -hmm. that the person they're looking for is a guy named Louis Friend, mm -hmm. Clarice realizes that that's an anagram for iron sulfide, which means fool's gold. Mm. And I'm sorry, like, how did she figure that she, out? You see in the notebook that she was writing down different combinations. Yeah, but why would you even... So first of all, she's got to realize Lewis Friend is an anagram. Mm -hmm. And she says to uh, ah. Hannibal, your anagrams are showing. That's yeah. a funny sentence. That is funny. Um, but how, she figured out iron sulfide. And would you guys know that's fool's gold? Maybe she no. already knew that that's what it meant. And she was looking. For, I don't know. Maybe don't know. She, maybe in his file that she read about him, she knew he spoke in anagrams. Yeah, I'm assuming she already knew about the anagrams. I'm assuming part of her new... I'm guessing she made the word iron. Yeah. And then she was like, does this make a word? And then she looked it up in whatever you guys used to look up stuff in. Encyclopedias from 1976. Oh, dear Lord. Microfish. My, so, and the last thing I'll say, because everybody asked this question, my other girls asked this. Mm -hmm. The reason it's called Silence of the Lambs. Clarice recounts a traumatic childhood incident of hearing spring lambs slaughtered on a relative's Montana farm. After her dad dies, she has to go live with them. Lecter speculates that Starling hopes saving Catherine will end the nightmares of the lambs screaming. There you go. Mm. Um, a few other trivia things that I failed to say. Brooke Smith, who played, uh, what's her name? Catherine. Who Catherine. was also in Grace. I and just she was it. also in Unbelievable. Uh, yes. Remember, she and was we the talked therapist. About her. Yeah. She gained 25 pounds for her role as Catherine Martin. Brooke Smith and Ted Levine were actually very close on the set, making Jodie Foster refer to Brooke Smith as Patty Hearst, a kidnapping yeah. victim who later fell in love with her kidnapper, mm. which I think is interesting. Uh, let's see. Former FBI special agent John Edwards Douglas, on whom the Jack Crawford character was based, achieved some fame of his own a few years after this movie. He was hired by the parents of John Benet Ramsey to in investigate her death and apparent murder. Mm -hmm. Up until that point, the parents had been the chief suspects in the case, while Douglas did not fault the police for investigating the family first. As in this movie, investigators usually assume that the victims know their killers. He became the first public official to proclaim their innocence. Oh, that's big. Yeah. yeah. Uh, during this movie and a TV announcement, Senator Ruth Martin... Martin pleads for her daughter's life. We remember that scene, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. She keeps saying Catherine. And repeatedly mentions her name, Catherine. The FBI agents and trainees who are watching the announcement remark that her repeated mentioning of Catherine's name is smart, 
with Clarice, adding that Senator's repeated use of her daughter's name could influence her kidnapper to see her daughter as a person and not as a thing or an object. The, well, I mean, yeah. I've, is it really that smart? Like, yes, Is this yes. really good? How I, is it smart? I have heard the, about this in Criminal Minds many times. They put a lot of thought into what they want the parents to say, if they want the parents to say anything, if they want to, like, kind of coddle them, be like, we know that this is not what you wanted to happen, or if they just want to, like, say how much they miss them. And it, it's all about their profile. And in the profile of Buffalo Bill, I'm guessing... Not just a guess. He says it puts the lotion in the basket. He yes. dehumanizes them Correct. so he can make sense of it. And they knew that from his profile. So it was smart in saying Catherine, Catherine, I'm not Catherine. saying it's a bad idea, but mm-hmm. the odds of calling it Catherine is not probably not going to shift this guy's mind. I agree with Cameron. Yeah. I mean, they and they try to, as she already said, they mm-hmm. elaborate on that because he says it puts the lotion. Yes. He's, he has, she is an it. And if you can make him care yeah. that this is a, this is a woman who people love, then he, he loves Precious. He loves Precious. Why can't he love Ca- Catherine? Catherine right. loves Precious. That's right. We all love Precious. Wait, Precious, Precious is the hero. <laughs> Um, last trivia, and then a quick thing on heroes and villains. When okay. Clarice Starling first discovers Catherine in the well in James Gum's basement, Martin's gown, wide-eyed fear, and holding Gum's white poodle precious can be seen as a direct mirror of Starling's own childhood memory of the, of the lamb. To save the lamb. <gasps> That's That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Catherine refuses to give up the dog after being rescued. Of course. So where does Dr. Hannibal Lecter rank in all-time villains on imdb.com? One through ten. Where do you think he ranks? Uh, Four. That's what I was going to say. He ranks number one. Ooh, I thought Die Hard Dude was number one. Hans Gruber? Yeah. Hans Gruber is not even in the top ten. Hans Gruber. Hannibal, oh, Hans you, Gruber is you know a great who's gonna villain. be Bubby. Hans Gruber. Bubby. Bubby. That's, <laughs> that's Ellis. Ellis. We got to do Die Hard one. <laughs> we do Bubby. Um, we, you know who it's gonna be is Voldemort. Is got to be one oh, of those. Yeah. Voldemort is not in oh, the list. What? Number two is Norman Bates. Oh, yeah. oh. psycho. Number three. Wait, let me guess one. Sure. Uh, Michael Myers. Nope. Michael Myers is not in that list? Nope. Keep reading them. I have no idea. Darth Vader, number three. Oh, yeah. The Wicked Witch of the West, okay. number no. four. No, no Nurse, character. Nurse Ratched, number five. Okay. Oh. Mrs. Mr. Potter. Oh. And It's a Wonderful it's Life. A wonderful he's life. like the worst. He's the worst. He's pretty bad. He he's, causes all the problems. He, yeah, he's a he's a problem creator is what he is. Potterville. Alex Forrest. Oh, Number yeah. seven. Fatal Attraction. Phyllis Dietrichson from... Double Indemnity from 1944. Yeah, don't know that. Ryan McNeil, The Exorcist, 1973, whoever that is. No, Reagan. Oh, Reagan, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then last the, last but not least, The Queen, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Sure. She's Ooh. number 10. Now, that's a really old list. Yes. Yeah. Because I was listening to, they were talking about that uh, Gone Girl, mm-hmm. Amy, was one of the top villains hmm. now. Also, Voldemort, where is he on Hello. that? He's like one of the most fleshed yeah. out Maybe villains of old. all time. And where's Jason? And where's Freddy Krueger? Those guys yeah. are chumps. Where's all of our peeps? Where's, I could take yeah. those guys on with one hand tied behind my back. I don't think you could. <laughs> I could. Guns no. don't I used work. to wrestle in high school, sweetie. Don't you forget. Michael Myers has been shot like a billion times. Do so you think you can take him? And Jason already died and came back. And Freddy will get you in your dreams. Heroes, one through ten. Okay. 
Sweetie's favorite, Atticus Finch, number one. Amen. Indiana Jones, number two. Okay. James Bond, number three. Okay. Rick Blaine. Mm, you know what buddy, he's from? Rick Blaine. You know, good old Rick Blaine. He's from Casablanca. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Kane from High Noon, 1952. Clarice, number six. Yes. yes. She should be number one. Rocky Balboa, number seven. Yes. Ellen Ripley. What's she from? Alien. Very good. George Bailey. It's a Wonderful Life. And last but not least, T.E. Lawrence from Lawrence of Arabia. Huh. Hmm. Those are so old school. They are. We need them updated. Um, what about Luke Skywalker? Exactly. What about Han? What about Yoda? What about Princess Leia? What about what about Jabba what as about, a villain? What about Yoda? What's Leia's last name? Organa. Leia oh. Organa. Is it Leia Organa or Leia of Organa? Oh, maybe it's Leia of or Organa. Or is it Skywalker? <gasps> it's Leia Skywalker. Is it? It's yeah. she's Anakin's she's a Skywalker. And, I know, but and that's not Ray a lie. renames herself Ray Skywalker because of Luke and Leia. Right. Duh. Duh. Um. Silence of the Lambs, one of the scariest movies of all time. Well, I will say this. It's, it is a well-done movie. It's very well done. Psychological thrill. What are we going to do next? So much. I don't know. Um, we are going to do, uh, you and I are going to do Framing Britney Spears, right? Quite a departure from Silence of the Lambs. I know, but it's contemporary. It's it's now. It's current. It's current. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> it's now. It's now. It's now. It's now. <laughs> Cameron, you come back for another one, okay? I Thank will. you, Cameron. I'm so glad you joined us. Mm-hmm. You're very good at pop, pop culture. culturing. Thank you. Keep trucking, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and feel free to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe to our Zen Parenting Radio podcast, where we discuss self-awareness and mindfulness, sharing the latest research and pop culture. We're on our ninth year, but there's still always something new to discuss. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. You want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones? We can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty. The company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.